Redeeming Grace Church, it is good to be with you even though it is online. I'm welcome. My name is Matt Rawlings, one of the pastors here, and I especially want to thank all the children. So thank you, kids, for joining us. Thanks for being there. Thanks for paying attention. Um, and the resource that Aaron mentioned, you'll find an application sheet. And I'd encourage all the kids to, to get that and be going through the sermon and, and asking those questions of the sermon as God is speaking. Because God wants to speak to you today, too. Um, don't check out. And then for those younger kids, thanks for letting your moms and dads pay attention. And thanks for behaving and, and honoring the Lord in that and helping them Seek the Lord and what he has for us. Um, we can be confident, even though we are scattered physically, that, that God is with us in a unique way. He is, he is with us in our midst. Jesus says that wherever two more gather, he is there in our midst. Now, now, we're not gathering physically, but we are gathering together in spirit. And so we can be confident that Jesus is here in our midst. And so um, we want to thank him right now at the outset for the fact that he enables us to gather by his spirit, by his grace, even though we cannot see how he's working, how he's moving. He is working in our midst. So let's give thanks to God and just prepare our hearts to receive from Ruth 2. Father, thank you. Thank you that you give us your word as a sure promise. Thank you that we can trust in you, that we can trust in your word, that, that we can see you in the middle of darkness, in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulties. We can look up by looking at your word. God, enable us to see you. Jesus, enable us to see you as our great redeemer. Enable us to pursue you by faith. Enable us to say no to fear and say yes to pursuing your grace by faith. Enable us to find refuge in you, God. Lord, thank you that that does not depend on us, but it depends on your favor and your grace. So God, we ask for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things that we were really struck by last, last year as we went through the book of Revelation is the fact that Jesus already already has the victory, that he is currently ruling and reigning, and one day he will put all his enemies under his feet, and that is our hope and our confidence. We, we considered whether or not, hey, in this time we should take a break from Ruth and focus on something else, but then we thought back to what we'd just been through as a church. We've been through the book of Revelation and seen how no matter what happens, Jesus is victorious. And then we took some time to look and see how we can have faith instead of being in fear. And now, I think this is providential. God has led us into the book of Ruth. Really, it's, it's the big idea of the book of Ruth is what is helpful for us to see is that despite the darkness, this is the big idea of the book of Ruth, in case you're wondering, that despite the darkness, God redeems all those who seek refuge in him. This morning, you may not be from our church. You may not have previously sought him. But this is the idea that God wants us to see is that despite the darkness, God redeems all those who seek refuge in him. And things seem a little dark right now for some. You know, but we saw that last week that, that in the darkness, those who turn to God find hope in his promises. Most of us today don't understand what famine truly means. 
In, in the book of Ruth, they are in a period of famine. They are in a period of darkness where everybody's doing what's good for themselves, where everybody's looking out for number one. They're in famine. And, and even though, you know, you might not find groceries on the shelves like you are looking for, um, we're, we're by no means in a famine right now. You know, even though... Um, it's been difficult to find some food and supplies. They've been scarce. We'll, we'll find food again. There is rain and there are crops being planted and harvest being brought in. The stores are still open. They will rebound from the bump in the supply chain. But things were far different for the people of Israel that were living in this time. They were far more dire for the people of Israel in this time of famine. And to put things in perspective, there's no Walmart. There's no Bilo. There's, there's no Publix. There's no Dollar General. There was no refrigeration, no way to freeze things. They didn't have any toilet paper either. And it wasn't just that they were low. They didn't use it. In famine, there were no crops in the city's marketplace. The food they did have, it probably had gotten old. And by then, there was little variety. And they were living in this selfish time where nobody was helping each other. And so they thought Elimelech and his sons and and his wife, Naomi, they set out for the land of Moab. They thought that things would be better outside of God's plans, outside of God's place, and away from God's people, that surely what the world was saying was a good way to go was the way they should go. But things got dark, and they got even darker when Elimelech died. And then later, after Naomi's sons, they took Moabite women, they died. Naomi was left destitute. Ruth and Orpah, the, the daughters-in-law, they were sad. Orpah turns away, goes back. But Naomi has this awakening. She turns, she returns to the Lord. She repents and she begins to find hope, even though it's faulty from her practice. And Ruth, she has a moment of conversion on the road, and she turns to God. She finds hope. And so when we come to this passage in Ruth 2, and by the way, if you are um, listening on, online, if you're watching live, if you're watching recorded, open up your Bibles. I'd encourage you to go through this passage together with us as we are. It'll be on your screen, but there's something about seeing God's Word for yourself as well. In Ruth 2, we open just after they have returned to God, and there's there's this inkling of hope and, and, and it, that ends with this passage of saying that in the fields of Bethlehem, the, pa- the place of bread, it was the beginning of harvest time. And in the first three verses, what we see, when we see Ruth's response, we can learn from her response. Really, the, all, all of this chapter, it is, it's answering the question, and it might be a question you have too, of How do the needy find refuge in God? That's the question for us. How how do the needy find refuge in God? And and you might be wondering that right now. Feeling in need, feeling desperate, feeling fearful. How do we find refuge in God? And in the very first three verses, we see how the needy find favor through Ruth. And what we see is the needy believer knows. So what, what, what we see is Ruth's a believer. This needy believer knows they need favor and seeks it in faith. Ruth is aware she needs favor and she seeks it in faith. That's what we see in the first three verses. Let's read them together. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi... 
Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight, look at this, she's in faith, I shall find favor. She, she doesn't know where she's going to find favor, but she's in faith that she shall find favor. Now, why is she in faith? She's in faith that she shall find favor because she's in faith ultimately in God. It says, and, and she said to her, go my daughter. And it says in verse 3, so she set out. Ruth's acting in faith there. So she set out and she went and she gleaned in the field after the reapers and she happened. This is so she chanced to chance. She happened to happen is what the original kind of language says. This is really pointing us to the sovereignty of God at work through our chance encounters, through our faith. God happens to work sovereignly through everything that we do. It says, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. This is kind of the author's pulling back. He's saying, look, hey, by the way, Ruth has no idea what's happening, but God's at work here, and she just happens to happen upon the field belonging to Boaz. By the way, the author tells us, Ruth doesn't know this. By the way, it's this little aside. By the way, he's of a clan of Elimelech. Ruth knew her situation was desperate. Instead of focusing on all the negative things in this life, though, which she could have, right? She had a lot of negative things. She, she was from Moab. Her husband died. She was penniless. She, by faith, put her trust in God. She comes to Israel, but she doesn't have a home. They don't have a permanent place. They don't have provision. They wonder what they're going to do to eat. She could have focused on all those fears, like, like we can. We, we can be tempted to focus on our fears. But instead of focusing on negativity, instead of focusing on fear, Ruth, she chooses to put her faith in God and seeks to find favor. And she's in faith that she says, I shall find favor. Now, she didn't know that. That wasn't a guarantee. She was a Moabite woman. She was a foreigner. She was an outcast. She was, she was not acceptable. There was no reason for her to find favor. And yet, she's in faith. It's that same word of grace that she's setting out to find, that she has faith that she, felt she will find. It's the same word that's used of Noah when it said that, that he found favor, grace, in the eyes of the Lord. And, and so the Lord rescued him from the worldwide flood. It's the same word that's used of Abram when Abram appeals to the angel of the Lord who has appeared to him under the oaks of Mamre. And he says, Would, if I found favor... If I found grace in your eyes, don't pass me by in, in my childless state. And the Lord had favor on Abram. It's the same word that, that Jacob or Israel uses when he's, he's seeking the favor of the Lord. And he's seeking his brother's favor to forgive him. It's the same word that is used to describe how Joseph found favor with Pharaoh when he was in a dungeon. This is favor that comes in dire circumstances. God's grace comes to those who have faith in his favor. It's the same word for favor that God, he grants to the people of Israel when they are in Egypt to, to bring them out of the famine. It's the same favor that we see that, that God gave to his people of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt and all of the people gave all kinds of things to God's people because, because God gave them favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. This is the kind of favor that we see is behind the New Testament word for grace. It's what's written about in Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, 
God says, at that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found, same word here, found grace, found favor in the wilderness when Israel sought for rest. Where are you seeking for rest? There is rest in the wilderness by God's grace. We can find grace by faith in the wilderness. It was a risky proposition, though, for Ruth. So she sets out. She goes out to find favor. She could have, she could have been assaulted. She could have been harmed. She could have been turned away. She, she had no reason to suspect that. But she had faith that God would work and give her favor. She was a Moabite woman, though, and there's no way that she would have had any inkling on her own that she deserved. There's no way that the people of Israel normally would have given favor to this woman. But she believed in God's covenant promises. And if God had brought her this far, if God had brought her into God's place with God's people, then surely God would show her favor. She said she shall find favor. And so she sets out seeking to find grace. Now, if kids, if you're watching, we've got a couple different coloring sheets. Um, you might not find them on the website, but they are up on Facebook. You can print them later. We've got a couple of them for you. See, this is Ruth, and she's setting out to the fields, and she's going to find favor. So she sets out in faith, and she begins to glean. In verse 3, she began to glean. I think we have another slide for her gleaning, her picking up. What gleaning means is going behind the reapers and picking up the sheaves of barley that were left behind, the things that had fallen out, the things that they missed, picking up the bits of grain. And so she was doing that. She's going behind them doing that. She sets out some faith. And so the question for us as we are in this time, in this time of trial and difficulties, will we choose to look out and, 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 and meditate on, focus on all the bad things around us? Or will we choose to set out by faith to find the favor of God? Because that's what we really need. We need God's grace. God doesn't promise his grace, though, for all of the bad things that we imagine might happen. And we're tempted that way, aren't we? But he does promise his grace for all who trust in him to, to enable us to make it through whatever he actually brings into our lives. Because so often what we fear might happen is it's, it's fantasy, and yet God leads us faithfully, step by step. One step at a time. As we take a step out in faith, he gives us his grace. The question is, do we hungrily seek for him? When we're hungry, are we looking for his grace, or are we looking to be fed elsewhere? Ruth seeks out grace in faith, and she finds it. And she doesn't find it because of her seeking. She finds it because there is a worthy one. There is a gracious one who sought her. That's what we see. The story, it shifts in the first three verses that are about Ruth and her seeking by faith to find grace. And then what we see is really the, the, the latter half of the chapter, most of the chapter, the focus of the chapter is on this worthy one. I love how the ESV puts it. Boaz, he was a worthy man. He was a worthy man. It could also be translated a valiant man, a, a, a man of integrity. He was a worthy man. I, I love the way it puts it. And, and this worthy one, what do we see him doing? This is, this is the second idea that you need to get from this passage. The worthy one seeks out the needy. That's what we see happening in this story. Look in your Bibles with me. This worthy one, Boaz, he seeks out the needy 
And then he pours out his favor. He pours out his grace. And, and, and keep in mind here, the book of Ruth, it doesn't mention God directly in the way that we are normally are used to seeing this, this teaching about here's what you should believe. But, but that's not the way that an Israelite would tell a, a historical account. They would tell it in such a way that we would see that, oh, this is really telling us about God. And so the Israelite reader would have gotten, wait a minute, this man Boaz, he's a worthy man. This is not normal, especially in the time of the judges. This is meant to point us to God. And that's true for us. Boaz, he's, he's meant to point the reader to see what God is like, what a worthy one is like. And we see this Boaz is a righteous man. Look in verse 4. It says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. You know, he just happened to come. This is God sovereignly working. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. This is like a church service happening right here. Boaz is the kind of employer. He points his people to faith in God and he, he blesses them. And they respond back. This is like a, a, an old, old Testament church service when the priest would get up and he'd say, the Lord be with you. And all the people would respond, the Lord bless you. And that's what we see Boaz doing. He's a godly employer. He's, he's not afraid to encourage and bless his people, to bless the people God's given him in the name of the Lord. He's a model boss. He's seeking to bless those who work for him and seek their good. And, and that's really the kind of boss that, that every kind of Christian should be if they really understand God's grace personally. Well, Boaz, he was observant too. He, was, he wasn't clueless. He was, he was a wealthy landowner and normally a wealthy landowner he might not have noticed this, this foreign woman or paid attention to her, but he notices and says, wait a minute, this woman... Who is she? Whose is she actually? Look in verse 5. It says, Boaz said to his young man in charge of the, of the reapers, and he says, whose young woman is this? Who does she belong to? Is somebody caring for her? Is somebody looking out for her? He was, you see, he was looking out for those in need. He was looking out for those who looked like they didn't belong. Because that's, that's what a worthy one does. That's what the Redeemer does. That's what Ruth is trying to get to see. The Redeemer, the worthy one, he, he looks out. He takes notice of those in need. He doesn't ignore them. He sees them. And by the way, he seeks them out. And so he checks up and he says, What's, whose woman is this? Does she belong to anybody? Is she okay? Is she being taken care of? And then look at the servant's response in verse 6. Look in verse 6. We have that for you, I believe. It says, And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She's, now, now listen to this language. The servant, he's being respectful, but he's pointing out a few things. He's pointing out really where she, where she comes from. Because he's like, well, hang on. Let me make sure the, the master knows that she's really not acceptable. So he says, she's the young Moabite woman. She came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. By the way, Moab, she's a foreigner. She's not really acceptable. But you know what? There's something really unusual about her. Look, look in verse 7. She says, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came. And, and she's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. She was humbly seeking to glean in the field. She was, she was set out by faith, and she's humbly seeking to glean. And, and now, if you are new to the Old Testament, you might not understand what gleaning is. Gleaning is a principle that God set up 
for the people in Deuteronomy 24 um, so that on top of their tithes and offerings, on top of what they gave, um, he wanted them to set aside a portion of the fields, to not even reap all the way up to the edge of the fields, but leave that undone intentionally for the poor, to set aside goods, to set aside money, set aside what God had benefited them with and what God had given them increase with and says, you know, don't, don't take everything for yourself. Set aside some for the needy, the poor. Now, Hardly anybody in Judges was doing this, but this worthy one, he had intentionally prepared food for the hungry. And so God promised to bless them in, in, in the work of their hands as they, as they set this, this portion of the field aside. And, and, and that's really something for us to take away as well as, as believers. You know, do, do we spend all of what God's given us on ourselves? Or do we intentionally say, wait a minute, God, because I understand your grace, because I've been affected by your mercy, I want to make sure that, that I am displaying your heart that you had for me because you fed me when I was hungry. You gave me drink when I was thirsty. God, you rescued me. And so, Lord, because of that, I want to set aside. I want to, I want to have that same mindset that this worthy one had and, and, and provide for those who are poor, needy, the fatherless, the widows. This is what it talks about in, in, in Deuteronomy 24, the foreigner, the outcast. It's one of the reasons why, as, we meant, as Aaron mentioned earlier, we set up a fund for COVID-19 for those people who have already begun to be affected in the church and by this kind of current pandemic if, if God has blessed you, if he's given you income, I'd encourage you to consider that. It's just, this is like setting aside a portion and say, wait a minute, God's given me much. He's provided for me. So how can I care for those who are poor and needy? Boaz was a worthy man, a godly man, and he, he cared for the poor and needy. Now, at the same time, gleaning wasn't endorsing laziness. This was, this was a kind of a, a way for them to, to work and receive an income, even though they didn't have a full-time job. And, and the servant was saying, yes, yeah, she, she wasn't lazy. She took initiative. Her faith didn't lead her to laziness. Her faith and looking for grace, it led her to action. And so she's working. She's working hard. Look in verse 8. It tells us that, that, that she, well, I'm sorry, in verse 7, how she took initiative working from early morning, and she only took a short rest. And, and later on, we'll see in verse 17 that she worked until evening gleaning until the, the late hours, and then she beat out the barley from his chaff. She was a hardworking woman. Faith caused her to seek God's favor by and his grace, but it didn't make her just sit back and do nothing. It actually inspired her to work. So boys, he didn't just take notice. Look, look what he does in verse 8. Look in your Bibles in verse 8. Look, he sought her out. This is important for you to get the Redeemer seeks out the poor and needy, seeks out the foreigner, seeks out the widow. It says in verse 8, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Now you hear the language there. He speaks to her like he would speak to his own daughter. He cares for her as a member of his family. That's what the Redeemer does. That's what the worthy one does. He seeks out the poor and treats them like family. He says, Now listen, my daughter. Don't go and glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Boaz treats her like a member of the family. He didn't kick her out and ask her to leave. No, he sought her out and he says, come here. Listen, don't go anywhere else. I'm going to treat you like my daughter. I'm going to treat you like my own family. I'm going to welcome you into my people. That's what the worthy one does. That's what Redeemer does. He welcomes the foreigner, the outcast, the poor into his people. Look in verse 9. He continues along. 
He says, let your eyes, this is the Redeemer seeking, this is the worthy one seeking out the poor. He says, let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young man not to touch you? He's, he's protecting, he's pouring out his favor. And, and when you're thirsty, now this would be shocking. So not only is he saying, hey, stay with my family, my, stay with my people. That's, that's unheard of. Why? Why would this worthy Redeemer invite her? to be a, a part of the family, to, to glean alongside his own, his own women. But not only that, then he says something that's really shocking because in that day, the, the Israelite women, the, they would go and they would draw water for the men and, and a foreign woman would be expected at least to do that. And yet he doesn't invite her to do that. He doesn't say, hey, you need to work for it. No, he has favor. He says, he pours out this favor and treats her like a princess. And look, and he says, and when you're thirsty... He doesn't say, just go ahead and pour. Don't go ahead and draw from the well yourself. He says, no, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. She's, she's to drink from what the young men have drawn. He, he's treating her not only like family, he's treating her like royalty. And she gets this over-the-top kindness, this, this covenant loyalty that, that he's showing, the same kind of loyalty that that God shows to his people, the same kind of kindness that, that Naomi had prayed for. Back in chapter 1, she prayed that God might show kindness. This is the same kindness that Boaz is showing, and, and Ruth gets that. Look in, look in verse 10. Look in verse 10, how she responds to this grace, this overwhelming grace. So then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and she said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice? Why have I found favor, grace in your eyes that you should take notice of me? That's what the worthy one does. He takes notice. And she's, she's undone by this grace. Why? Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Since I'm a foreigner, I don't belong. Look how Boaz answers her in verse 11. And by the way, I think we have another, another picture for those who are um, or at home, or children, if you want. There's another coloring page up on Facebook for you. And, and this is a, a picture of, of Ruth. She realizes the grace and favor that she's found. And she's, she's bowing at, at Boaz as she falls on her face. And she says, why have I found favor? It's an image really of overwhelming favor that God pours out on us. And our response in worship to him. Now look, look, in, look in verse 11. Look in verse 11. But Boaz answered her, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people you did not know before. He knows she's repented and turned to God. Now I'll continue on in verse 12. Here's what he, he, he prays. This is, this is like a, an active prayer. He says, the Lord, the covenant-keeping, faithful God, the one who's truly kind, repay you for what you've done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, now listen, this is, this is framing up the whole chapter. Under whose wings you've come to take refuge. Under his wings you've come to take refuge. Boaz knew what it meant for her to turn away from her own people and to return to faith in God. He, he prays the Lord reward her. But, but get this, he, here's what a worthy one does. He doesn't just hope that God will give favor. He's a means of that. He doesn't, just, he doesn't just pray to God that, that God would give favor. This worthy one, this redeemer, he also is the means by which this grace comes. He, he kind of realizes that he's meant to be the answer to the prayer he's making. And, 
It's meant for us to start to think, wait a minute, who is this Redeemer really pointing us to? It's also meant to challenge us that for us, when we are led to pray for people, when we're led to hope that God would provide for people, maybe he might use us to reflect this worthy one that we see here. In Boaz, he says, the reason why I'm confident that the Lord will reward you is because you have taken refuge under his wings. Now, this picture of taking refuge under wings, it is, it's the same imagery. I love the picture. And, and just for a moment, if you can, picture a hen, a mother hen, and a bunch of little baby chicks. And there's these little cute chicks, and they're there. And they're, they're walking across this field together, and the chicks are following along. And they're maybe dawdling a little bit there. And this mother hen is going, and they're all just pecking. And then the shadow comes over. And this hawk is about to come down and pick off these chicks. And well, what does the mother hen do? The mother hen puts herself between the chicks and this danger and she provides protection. So she spreads out her wings. That's what a, that's what a mother hen does. And she spreads out her wings. And she holds her wings up. And all the chicks, they come running. And she puts her, her chicks under the wings. And she is willing to take whatever that enemy might have. She puts herself between the chicks and the enemy. And that's it's a beautiful picture of how Ruth is seeking refuge in God, trusting that God God will be the one who will bear what we cannot. It's the same imagery the psalmist writes of in Psalms 91.7 that Boaz must have been aware of this kind of imagery. He says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. This is really relevant for us, right? He will cover you with his pinions. That's just the parts of his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Boaz knew that God was this kind of God. And he knew that all those who seek him for refuge find his favor. And Boaz, this this worthy one, was a means of God's favor. He saw himself as a means of God's favor. And really, what we're going to see later is that Boaz extends his wings. He is the one who takes Ruth, (coughs) who will take Ruth under his wings. Look in verse 13. Naomi, I mean, Ruth took refuge under God's wings. Boaz saw that he poured out grace on her. Now look at how Boaz's grace affects Ruth. Look in verse 13. Then she said, I have found favor, grace. This word for grace, it goes all throughout the passage. How do God's people find, how do God's believer find refuge? Oh, by faith. And as the worthy one pours out his grace on us. As he seeks out those who need favor, he will pour out his grace. She says, I found favor, grace in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly. That's what the worthy one does. He comforts, he seeks out, he speaks kindly. He says, though I am not one of your servants, 
Oh, but he treated her like a daughter, not just a servant, like a princess. She had no hope apart from finding grace, but this worthy man sought her out, poured out grace. And lastly, the final point we will see in verses 15 to 23 is that this worthy one provides for and protects the needy. He doesn't just seek out and pour out his grace. He doesn't just seek out the needy, seek out the foreigners, seek out the ones who are or destitute. He seeks us out, and he pours out his grace. And then we see this worthy one he provides for, and he protects the need. Now, we're going to read the whole bulk of the passage together, because I want us to get the, the, see this picture, to see this imagery as, we're, as we read through this passage. Look at verse 15. It says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here, eat some bread. Now, if you're an Israelite, this would be shocking to you, and we'll get to that in a minute, but just think about this. Wait a minute. This woman, women didn't nearly usually eat with the men, and especially not a foreign woman, and especially not, not this Moabite woman, and yet he says, in mealtime, Boaz says to her, come here and eat some bread. Dip your morsel in the wine. And I love this language. I love the language we see here of the Redeemer, that it points us forward to Jesus. Something we celebrated this morning just a few moments ago was, was when Jesus took, took the bread and he dips it in the wine and he holds it out. That's the kind of imagery we see here. Boaz says, come here, eat some bread and, and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her the roasted grain. She sits, she sits along with the laborers and he, he gives rewards, the same rewards that he gives his family, his, his friends, the close ones, and he, he passes that roasted grain. She ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over and continued along. And when she arose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, let her glean, this is another shocking moment, even among the sheaves, not just what's left over, but like take what, take what the people who work for him are, are taking, the first fruits. He says, and don't reproach her. Don't turn her away. Look at verse 16. And then here's something even more shocking. See, see the grace that we see this worthy one showing to, to Ruth is meant to affect the reader in astounding ways, just piling grace upon grace, grace upon grace. This worthy one, he pours out his grace. He provides for it in amazing ways. And we see grace upon grace upon grace. He says, and pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and don't rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, then she beat out what she gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley, somewhere between 30 and 50 pounds. In verse 18, she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she gleaned, and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. In verse 19, and her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? What in the world? How, how could you come back full and you're bringing back 30 pounds, a whole month's worth? of food for an average laborer, by the way. And she said, this, this man's name, Ruth has no idea still, and you can see, oh, the sovereignty of God's at work to bring about his grace in the midst of darkness. And she says, Ruth is unknowing here, and she says, well, the man's name with whom I, I work today is Boaz. And Naomi's shocked, and so the reader's like, oh, yeah, you, you told us about this Boaz earlier. And so he says, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, oh, may he be blessed by the Lord, this covenant-keeping God, whose kindness is covenant-keeping God, who is kind, the same kindness that, that Naomi prayed that Ruth would experience, that, that Ruth is finding, putting her faith in God's grace, putting her faith that God will show her favor 
And, and, and Boaz pours out kindness, and Ruth acknowledges kindness, and Naomi sees, oh, this is the kindness of the Lord, whose kindness, the Lord's kindness, has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi said to her also, this man, Ruth, you don't get it. You've been working this field. He might not have known. You didn't know. But look at this. This man, he's a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And then you start to think, oh, I see where the story's going. And then it continues along. And Ruth said to the the Moabite, said, besides, he said to me, she goes, well, hang on, Naomi. He also said to me, get this, keep a close by my young men until they finished all my harvest. Now, the, the interesting thing about the whole timing of this passage is that at the end of verse chapter 1, it's about the time of the harvest beginning. It's about the time of Passover. That's when the harvest began. It's about the time of Passover. And then about seven weeks later, at the end of, of harvest, when they will finish at the end of this chapter, when they're going to finish the harvest, it's, it's when they would celebrate another feast, the feast of God's provision, the feast of booze, the feast of tabernacles. They would celebrate. And she says, she continues on, and Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it's good, my daughter, that you go out with these young women. <laughs> yeah, understatement, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good, Naomi. Um, lest in another field you be assaulted. Yes, because why? This worthy one will provide and protect. Now keep going. So she kept close to the young woman. She knew. She looked to this worthy one for provision and protection. She kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Can you picture what we just read? The very beginning we see that Boaz, he is sitting there with his own laborers and is striking because what he does, he get the impact of this. He welcomes this foreigner, this widow, this destitute, this poor one, this needy one. He welcomes her, not just into his family, as a, as a treats her like a family member, showers her with grace, but he welcomes her to his table. That's what God does for all those who put their faith in his grace. He welcomes us to his table. That's, that's what we celebrate this morning with communion as well. We celebrate the fact that, that Jesus says, take and eat. Come to my table. That's what Boaz we see here. He serves her at his own table. And he doesn't have a servant do it. He welcomes the needy. This worthy one welcomes the needy to his table. And then he serves the needy one himself. He gives of his own provisions until she's satisfied. He says, don't even reproach her. What this worthy man does is excessive generosity. It's over the top. It's far more than what the law required. And, and, and what we see here is this worthy one gives a grace that is far greater than any law. Yes, she didn't presume on his favor. Yes, she kept working hard. But what we're meant to see is, is that that this worthy one, the Redeemer, pours, seeks out the lost and pours out his grace. He provides and he protects. We need to see that right now. If you're needy, if you're in dark times, if you're having a struggle right now, look up and see we have a Redeemer who seeks and saves the lost. This, this imagery here of 
of Boaz, it is ultimately meant to point us to see the great Redeemer who, who was descended from Boaz, who was born of woman but yet born of God. The ultimate Redeemer who Boaz is just a shadow of, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, he said his entire mission, he came, he says, to seek. I love this. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's what he came to do. Our hope in finding grace is not dependent on our faith. Yes, we must respond in faith. We must seek his grace by faith. But it's ultimately dependent on the Redeemer seeking and saving the lost, welcoming us into his family, welcoming us to to be a part of his, his people. When we once were not a part of his people, he now says, come, be my daughter, be my son, be a part of my people. Welcome And you know what? Not only that, I'm going to welcome you to my table. Come to the table of the Lord. Receive his bread. Receive his drink. Receive from his provision. Come take shelter under his wings. This this is meant to encourage us to, by grace, by faith, seek his grace. But it's also meant for us to see the just overwhelming grace of our Redeemer. The question is, Do we seek his grace by faith? Do we stay close? Do we stay in his fields? Don't go to any other field. Do we stay in his fields? Do we stay with his people? Don't be tempted to go away. There's danger outside of his people. There's danger outside of his provision. Don't be tempted to look at your own solutions. Don't be tempted to go anywhere else. Jesus He actually preached that he desires to take his people under his wings, but they wouldn't come. But his same desire is for us that we would find shelter under his wings. In Matthew 23, he's telling the Pharisees about this, and he says in Matthew 23, 37, he says, how often I would have same imagery here. Now, did you notice that Jesus puts himself in the language that Boaz speaks of God? And Boaz says, you came, Ruth, to find favor under, under the wings of God. Now, Jesus is saying how often I, Jesus, the fulfillment of this, I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And he says, you weren't willing. Are you willing to come and take refuge in him? Stay close. So what, what are some ways we can apply this? The needy sets out in faith. Are you seeking the grace of God by faith? Are you, are you staying close? Are you turning to him? Don't go to another field. Don't go anywhere else. Don't, don't trust your ability to provide. Don't, don't worry when you don't see where your meal is going to come from. Doesn't mean don't work. Doesn't mean don't take action. By faith, step out in faith. Start to work. Do whatever you can. But trust ultimately in the favor of God, the grace of God. The second thing and the third thing we saw was the worthy one sought out the needy, pours out his favor. Ultimately, that's our hope. Jesus, the worthy one, he seeks us out. He sought us out. If you don't know Jesus yet, know this, that if you're hearing this, he is seeking you out. Respond to him. Repent of your sins. Turn to him in faith. Trust in his grace because he seeks out the needy so that he can pour out his grace. And then he provides for and he protects the needy. He's the one who came to seek out those who didn't belong, the poor, the needy, the outcast. Turn to him. Trust in him. 
rest in him. Don't, don't turn anywhere else. Don't turn to your own solutions. Come and sit at his table. Come and feast. He prepares the table for us in the presence of our enemies. Drink of his goodness. Eat of his food. He's the ultimate worthy one. Jesus is the ultimate worthy one. And he promises to provide and protect for the needy now. Even though things are dark for you right now, you might be needy. You might need favor. Stay close to Jesus. He's welcoming you now. Go to him and you'll find refuge under his wing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for all those who are in need right now that you have provided a way for us to to come and take shelter under your wings. Lord, let's not focus on the fears of what might be, but let let us instead respond in faith. Thank you, God, that you, you came to seek. Thank you, Jesus, you came to seek and to save the lost, that you have sought us out. You've you saved us. And Lord, we rely on your grace. And Lord, thank you. That doesn't depend on our faith. It depends on you. You are the worthy one, Jesus. Would you pour out your grace right now? Would we feast on your goodness and long for that day, ultimately, when we will sit at your table and we will enjoy the supper, the wedding feast of the Lamb? In your name we pray. Amen.